The following podcast contains coarse language and subject matter you might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. The stone tape theory is a speculation that ghosts and hauntings are analogous to tape recordings that mental impressions during an emotional or traumatic event can be projected in the form of energy, recorded onto rocks and other items, and replayed under certain conditions. So if a person's untimely demise occurs in a brick house, those bricks can absorb what happened and keep it earthbound. So sometimes we don't actually experience a spirit, but rather a scarring of time, a fingerprint left behind to be repeated throughout the years, never to be forgotten. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. walks. Shocking, I know. Everywhere I visit in the world, I book one. It's a great way to experience historic buildings and architecture and hear the spookiest of stories. In Toronto, I book with The Haunted Walk. They also have walks available in Kingston and in Ottawa, and I've participated in most of their tours. But this year decided to do an exclusive walk called Alone in the Dark at the Elgin and Winter Garden Theatre, where we went inside of the building to do a paranormal investigation. And that is where I met Margot McDonald. I was so captivated by their storytelling that I just had to sit down to hear what she's experienced. I grew up the youngest of seven, and so I think my older siblings, they were partly responsible for my love of the paranormal because they were constantly trying to scare me with stories. My brother, who's closest to me in age especially, was interested in the paranormal. When I was a young teenager, I heard some relatives talking, and they were talking about my great uncle, Harold B. Whitten and how he had investigated this poltergeist case. And turns out in the 1920s in Nova Scotia, there was a case that is generally referred to as the fire spook of Caledonia Mills. And he happened to be a reporter for a newspaper in Halifax. He got called in to report on this and ended up actively investigating along with one of the investigators sent up from the American Society for Psychical Research and the chief of police. And he was there for three days or so in this house. He had many experiences. My grandmother, when I asked her later, said, you know, poor Harold, he should never have gone into that house. It was never the same again. And at the time, that made me terrified of the paranormal, but also completely fascinated. 
I read what he wrote personally about it. So he wrote his own notes about it, published them. And in it, he really admonishes everybody to not try this at home, basically, <laughs> like steer clear of the paranormal. His experience was so profound that it affected his view of the world of life. I, <laughs> I took that to heart for a long time. But then, little by little, inevitably, my curiosity outwon my fear. And I just kept looking into it more and more and becoming more and more fascinated. Marco's curiosity led her to a pretty interesting career choice. I guess it started when I joined Haunted Walks, a uh, ghost tour company who also offer paranormal experiences in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. I started with them in 2001 as a tour guide, but then moved on to becoming a, a researcher and interviewer. I've led many investigations for them over the years. So in my work with Haunted Walks, I have had the opportunity to guide tours or to be in or bringing guests into many haunted locations. Throughout downtown Ottawa, we, we go to a number of the, um, the old classic buildings, Lisker High School, the old Ottawa Teachers College, um, the Bytown Museum, the Ottawa Jail, which is now a hostel, but we guide tours in the top floor, which has been left as a, a little museum, which has death row and the single cells the gallows where the hangings took place. And then in Kingston, it goes into, uh, we have tours that go into Fort Henry and throughout the downtown area as well, going to lots of different places there. And in Toronto, the historic distillery district, we don't go into any of the buildings, but go to places like St. James Cathedral and um, the old courthouse square where the hangings took place. We also go to Black Creek Pioneer Village, which is my favorite because it's the one that we get to go into most of the buildings that we talk about on the tours and tell the stories right in the buildings where the experiences took place. So there's old house of uh, the first European farming family who were there. Um, we go into Halfway House, which is an old coaching inn that has been moved to the site. Um, one of the other places we go into is called the Manse, which is where uh, reverends used to live, and uh, so many more. I love the joy of bringing people into haunted places, telling them the stories, and seeing what happens. And sometimes we try experiments together or try to communicate, and sometimes it's just purely getting to feel the place as I'm telling you the ghost stories and people have things happen. I also am a professional actor and playwright and have, uh, have toured extensively with my work and won many awards for that, which is very cool. I try always to book places that I know are haunted for staying overnight. Half of my life is being an actor and the other half of it is immersed in the paranormal. I have participated in all of the Toronto tours and Black Creek is super scary. Of course, all these years, guiding tours, bringing people into various haunted locations, I have had some experiences that I have not been readily able to explain away. 
I'm what I like to call a benevolent skeptic because I really want to believe. And, you know, if I'm alone in a haunted building, say locking up at the end of a tour, I definitely feel that thrill of fear of like, oh, the ghosts might come out at the same time, really wanting them to, being afraid of it. But at the same time, whenever I have had experiences, I find that my skeptical side kicks in pretty quickly. And I will immediately try to debunk or find a natural explanation for them. But there have been times that uh, I just haven't been able to satisfactorily explain to myself what it was if the answer wasn't something paranormal. Uh, My first paranormal experience actually happened while I was working for the Haunted Walks. It was my first summer working for them in Ottawa. And we were actually having a staff meeting. But after the staff meeting, we were supposed to have an activity. The activity we decided on was to go into one of the most haunted buildings in Ottawa that we feature on our tours. It's called the Bytown Museum. It's the oldest stone building in Ottawa. It sits at the bottom of the locks of the Rideau Canal, right in the heart, downtown Ottawa. We were going to go into this haunted building and watch a scary movie all together. I thought this was a great plan for an activity, but as the meeting was coming to a close and the time to move over to the museum to watch the scary movie approached, um, more and more people backed out of the plan. So in the end, we said, all right, we won't have that activity. We'll just, you know, sit around and chat for a while. And that's what we did. It's about 11.30 at night. Glenn, who uh, is the um, founder of the Haunted Walks, he realized that he was still going to have to go down into the museum to set the security alarm in the dark after, you know, sitting around chatting about ghosts. And he really did not want to have to walk all the way down to go into this haunted place to set the alarm. So he asked if any volunteers would please go with him. And I said I would go. And one of our other tour guides at the time, whose name was Emily, and her mom, who had just come to pick up Emily and bring her home, uh, we made her come with us too. There's absolutely no one in the building. He says, all right, everybody, let's, you know, let's go. Starts down the stairs. I follow behind him. And the other two were behind me. But I get down the stairs from the third floor onto the second floor. And I see Glenn standing at the top of the stairs that lead down to the main floor. And he's frozen in place and really, you know, uh, wide eyes and a scared expression on his face. I said, Glenn, what's up? And he points down the stairs and he said, I swear I just heard the sound of footsteps coming up this staircase towards me. And I thought about it and realized I had actually heard the same sound, but I hadn't thought anything of it because I thought it was the two women above me coming down those stairs, only to find that they haven't moved. They've stopped to read an exhibit at the top of the stairs, haven't even taken a step, haven't climbed down the stairs. The sound of footsteps up and down the staircase is one of the most reported experiences in that building. We all became, you know, a little on edge. Um, We tried to debunk it, but couldn't. And Glenn finally said, okay, look, look, let's just get out of here. 
The three of us stand inside the front door. Glenn goes across the room to where the alarm pad was so that he could punch in the code. And he makes a little joke as he does. There's a video monitor facing towards me and it shows the room on the other side of where he's going to be punching in this code. And he says, okay, keep your eye on that monitor. If you see anything in that room, move, yell, and you know, I'm out of here kind of thing. So he goes over to the corner and he slides shut that solid wooden door that separates that room from the one we're in. He said he couldn't quite remember the code, so it took him a moment to, to think about it. But while in this silence of him thinking, trying to remember the code, all of a sudden, I heard the sound of footsteps walking across the second floor above our heads. And it was a very clear sound, heavy booted feet walking across a wooden floor, like I'm standing there trying to calm myself down. I'll take a little peek at Emily, who's standing next to me, only to find that she is standing there looking up at the ceiling with her hands up in the air and her mouth in this big O. I guess she's hearing it too. I look over at her mother who's on the other side and she's just frozen stiff, kind of wide-eyed and staring up at the ceiling as well. When all of a sudden from over in the corner where Glenn is, um, we couldn't quite see him because there's a big pillar with an exhibit on it in the middle of the room between us. But we hear him say, uh, hey, uh, did you just see that? And my hand was already on the crash bar of the door. And I am, you know, embarrassed to admit that as soon as he said that, I hit that crash bar and the three of us went running out of the building, leaving Glenn behind. All I could hear was poor Glenn going, no, don't leave me. You can't leave me here alone. Realizing I'd left him there alone, I did go running back in to get him, grabbed his arm, got outside. And once we'd all calmed down enough to talk about it, we realized, of course, Glenn had not had the same experience that we had had. The three of us standing inside the front door had all heard this exact same sound, these footsteps walking across the second floor above our heads. But Glenn had not heard that sound, probably only because he was far too distracted by the sight of the solid wood sliding door in front of him, which he had just closed himself, beginning to shake slowly at first, then getting faster and faster and faster and faster. We know that there was no one left in the building, hiding or playing tricks or anything like that. I was looking at that video monitor as Glenn closed that door, watching the other room. There was nobody there, nothing moved. At this point in our discussion, we realized that Glenn had still not set the alarm and actually had dropped all his things. So we had to go back into the building where we, Glenn and I, you know, set that alarm as quickly as possible, grabbed his stuff, got out of the building, locked it up. But we ended up milling around in that area for a good half hour or more, waiting to see what would happen, just in case we were wrong about the building being empty. The alarm system are motion detectors, and they go off when anything moves in the building once they're set. 
But those motion detectors did not go off in the whole half hour or so that we were standing right near the building. And in fact, the reports show they did not go off that entire night. Margot then started giving tours at Black Creek Pioneer Village. Surprisingly, one of the scariest locations I've ever visited. As the years have gone by, there have been other experiences, particularly once we started giving tours here in up north of Toronto, there is one of those pioneer villages called Black Creek Pioneer Village. It represents what life was like in a typical settler village of Ontario around 1867. The great joy of giving tours there is they're super spooky because you're in the dark in this pioneer village we get to actually bring people into some of the buildings. Those tours are the ones where we have experienced the most activity while giving tours because we get to actually be in the buildings. The most striking ones have happened in these buildings, for me anyway, at Black Creek. I was giving a tour one time. I had been leading my group up the staircase into the hallway of the halfway house. As I went by the hallway, the two guests behind me jumped and screamed. And I turned around just in time to see them pointing at this little tea light candle that we had put on um, a sconce in the hallway just to add a little light there. They had seen it go flying across the hall, hit the wall, and then the floor. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it because I had gone by just as this was happening, but I certainly saw their reaction and actually heard it fall. I then tried, of course, (laughs) to debunk it right away. Tried to knock it off the sconce, like what if I hadn't said it? quite fully on and so on. And I was not able to make it fall in the way that they had seen it happen. It was like someone had picked it up, threw it at the wall, and then it hit the floor. On another occasion, I was giving what's known as a premium tour. So I had three people in my group. It was midnight and we were inside second house and we were upstairs and I was telling them about the ghost in the building and how the number one thing again is that his footsteps are heard walking around and as I'm talking about this we all hear the sound of shuffling footsteps coming up the back little tiny staircase towards us and it was so clear that I was actually afraid that there was an intruder. And uh, so I was I was a little scared about a physical encounter with somebody, but went over with my flashlight, looked down the stairs, there's nobody there. We're all a bit like jumpy, being like, okay, we all heard the sound. I'm trying to convince the people not to run out of the building. But meanwhile, the third guest, who is on his own, he then heard the footsteps started up again. He 
felt them pass right behind him. But the thing was, he had his back to this end wall at a doorway. And so the footsteps would have had to pass right through the wall behind him. So that happened. And on another night. Setting up for one of our paranormal experiences in the halfway house. Had just uh, talked to my colleague who was helping setting up another part. We had been in the kitchen together and I said, you know, we were saying, okay, you'll go do this and I'll go set up this. I went back to the front bar room where I was just continuing to set up. And while I'm doing it, there's this crash from the kitchen. Well, a wooden sound hitting a tile floor. And I kind of laughed and called out to my colleague and said, what are you up to in there? And I hear his voice come from downstairs saying, what? I said, the noise in the kitchen. And he said, uh, I don't know what you heard, but it wasn't me. We both go running towards the kitchen and we find there's this long piece of wood. They actually use them in the summer to hold up the windows to keep them open, to let the breeze in. But it was lying in the middle of the kitchen floor. It had been lying flat on the mantelpiece. We tried to debunk it, you know, if it was even on the edge, could it have fallen down? If there was a little mousy who had gone by just at that time, could it have knocked it over? And again, this is something I was not able to debunk. So there's always little things like that that have happened over the years. After so many years of doing it, you forget that for other people, that that's, that's the most amazing thing that has ever happened. Then Margot experienced something pretty profound while giving a tour at Black Creek Pioneer Village. And it happened in one of the spookiest homes I think I've ever been in, called the Manse. But I guess the creepiest thing that I ever witnessed was again on one of my tours at Black Creek. In one of the buildings there, the Manse, there is sometimes this really intense feeling of a angry, malevolent male presence that overwhelms people. I've only ever experienced as, as kind of walking in the building and feeling this horrible clenching in the pit of my stomach. On this particular night, I can't say that I felt anything in particular when I walked into the manse. But I had a full group of 30 people, and we had walked in. As I started telling the story, two of my guests said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, can we move to a different spot? We think the rocking chair behind us, we just saw it move. From where I was standing, I couldn't see into the kitchen and the the rocking chair that they had heard. But I calmed them down and I said, okay, like that's pretty cool. Can you be brave enough to keep standing there? And everybody else, can you please like plant your feet? Don't move, make sure you're not moving. This way we know if we hear any sounds again, it's not us. And then I started to tell the story again. And within moments, over to my left, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a bit of movement and then heard a scream. 
And then, of course, everyone in the group <laughs> screamed and tried to run and duck at the same time. Finally get them calm enough to look over and see that one of my guests is actually on the floor to my left. I ask her what what happened? Did she did she faint or something? And she said, no, no, I was pushed. I got her husband to take her outside, got everybody to try to calmly exit the building. On my way out, I, I uh, chastised the ghost saying, you know, that was really mean and uh, closed the door behind me. And I found her kind of... Uh, cradling herself on the front lawn, her husband trying to comfort her. So I went over and asked her to explain. And she said she was standing there holding her husband's hand and listening to me tell the story when all of a sudden she felt this cold, angry feeling force just rush across the room towards her. It hit her in the chest and threw her backwards so hard that it yanked her hand out of her husband's and she was uh, being thrown back towards the wall. But there was a little low chair between her and the wall that she fell over and that's how she ended up on the floor. But she said, whatever or whoever is in the building did not want us there was very angry that we had started giving tours in the building and uh, she was so upset and convinced by this that she called our office the next day to beg our manager to stop letting us take groups inside the building. But I'm afraid we still do take groups inside the building. It's part of my job. It's part of our choice when we go on these ghost tours to go into these haunted places, to try to experience the phenomena for ourselves. I think my thoughts and opinions about the paranormal and ghosts have really changed as the years have gone by. Now, after a couple of decades of working, telling people's ghost stories, listening to them tell me their ghost stories, I've gone from, you know, believing that ghosts must strictly be the spirits of the dead to something that is a lot wider than that. I think there are many different types of hauntings. And sometimes I think perhaps hauntings don't exist if we're not there to witness it. And that's where I'm at right now, thinking about that possibly we are the ones who are haunted. And we bring it with us. We bring it out in the places that we go our intentions, our desires. And yeah, we can talk about hauntings that happen out of the blue to people, but then maybe that you're not deliberately looking for a haunting, but there's something about you being there, your energy. Maybe you're focusing on something else really hard and whatever is there can use that energy to manifest to you. But I've definitely come a long way from believing that every ghost is the spirit of someone who has died. Special thanks to Margot for sharing their story. For more information on ghost tours, visit hauntedwalks.com. They also have a podcast called Haunted Talks, available on all platforms. If you have a sec, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts 
It keeps us at the top of the charts. It makes it easy for people to find us. Geist is written and directed by Daniel Matar. Original music, sounds, and effects by Bo Jensen. Geist is mixed and mastered by Adam Esker. Geist logo is by Jake Carruthers. Follow us on all social media platforms at Geist underscore podcast. Source submissions can be sent to hello.geist.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, sleep tight.